Welcome to The Nest Show, the podcast that brings you insights into the crypto market, trading and investment experiences, and what we're looking forward to as we navigate this space together. Today, we take an informal approach to the podcast with two other podcast hosts, Invest Noir and Chamber. We cover topics like the cultural commonalities between cigar smokers and crypto investors, how an investor's mindset like Noir's differs from active traders, what our worst beats were in the beginning of our journeys in the space, and much, much more. We share laughs, reflections, and many insights, and how not to get Bitcoin wrecked, all in today's episode of The Nest Show. Once again, thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the ride. What The Nest Show is, this is a podcast brought to you by the Burb Nest community, an independent crypto and forex-centered trading community built to sharpen each other in capturing opportunities in the markets while protecting capital along the way. What this is not, trading advice. We are not financial advisors. And you should not regard any information here or in the Nest Club as financial advice. You should always consult a licensed financial advisor before making any financial decisions. We're joined by Invest Noir. Noir, how are you doing? Well, my friend, how are you? I'm doing very well, man. And so happy to have you here today. Also, we have Chamber. Chamber, what's up? Doing uh, pretty good, man. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a beautiful Saturday afternoon here in Canada. Just came back from a walk and... Uh, had an impromptu uh, invite to, to come and join you, and I took full advantage. The outside world. How was the outside world, Chamber? It was, uh, you know, it's it, it's a beautiful spring day here. Um, what took my kids out for a walk? It was, you know, it's it's still surreal when you go outside and there's literally nobody out there. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy. So no, it was it was nice. Um, but that's enough for for the week. One hour outside a week, I feel is completely fine yeah <laughs> and now we're back indoors <laughs> you don't want to overdo it man you don't want to overdo it absolutely absolutely hey how old are your kids yeah, i have a, I have a two-year-old and a soon-to-be seven-year-old wow big gulps now nor before the show we were talking a little bit about your cigars and crypto podcast and I mentioned that one of my close friends, who's a cigar shop owner here in Los Angeles, he was the first one that actually got me into crypto. You were echoing that that's a commonality with your experience. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your journey with crypto and cigars and basically what brought you here? Sure. Well, I got into crypto in uh, 2014, uh, started out as a miner, uh, found a website back in the day that uh, will let you pay crypto for flights across country. And I uh, had a girlfriend who lived in San Diego. I lived in Atlanta. And I was visiting her maybe once, twice a month. I would stay for a week and then fly back because I was working remote. And I went to pay for my tickets and I saw this thing called Bitcoin. And I was like, I've never heard of this. I've never seen it before. So when I landed in San Diego, I looked it up and I fell down a rabbit hole. The first thing I did was read the white paper and uh, looked at it and I said, man, this is awesome. Then I found out about mining. So I went out and bought an Antminer S1. <laughs> I still I actually still have that thing too, man. Um, plugged it in for about two years. Um, and then I kind of left it alone because unlike most folks, uh, I spent my crypto. I saw it as money from the very beginning. And uh, fast forward to 2017, uh, things started to pick up in the crypto space. I realized, hey, I still have a crypto wallet. And I uh, looked at my wallet and I was like, wow, this is definitely not <laughs> what, you know, I remember seeing. Um, now, to go back a little bit, I got into cigars around 2014, 2015 as well. And my experience with cigars and crypto has been uh, a lot of my friends at the lounge 
are very curious people. Um, when you sit around uh, a room with leather couches and TVs, guys tend to talk and ask each other questions. And uh, the one question I got the most was, why are you always staring at your computer? And so I explained to them, well, you know, I invest in cryptocurrencies. And uh, that's how I fell down the rabbit hole, man, with uh, podcasting. And uh, the link between the two is that uh, a lot of my friends are, um, you know, well to do. Uh, you can't be a, a regular cigar smoker and not have money. So they have investments and they want to put their money somewhere. And I try to talk to them about it as much as I can without sounding like a financial advisor. Dude, that's awesome. And I got to say, uh, it's it's so cool that you got into crypto through that function with the airline tickets, you know, especially when Bitcoin was trading at around like 200 bucks. It's not a bad refresher to uh, open back up that wallet and see that appreciation. Yeah, man. Man, that's another key that I saw recently where some of the workarounds from traditional commerce, like say, for instance, I was speaking with an associate who was looking for merchant processing services with his online retail business. In this specific sector of online retail, he has difficulty securing traditional merchant processing. So that is what keyed him in to Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum payments. And you know, he's just been stashing that away for retirement plan because he doesn't really need to touch it because it constitutes just a small fraction of his sales at this point. But it's really neat to see like, you know, back in the day, airline rewards or airline ticket purchases are kind of non-traditional workarounds. But as we go on down the line of maturation, yeah, I do feel like more and more companies are going to adopt crypto payment for merchant processing. And, and that's going to be a really big boon for crypto flows in general. But coming back to the cigar stuff, it's so funny, just that one cultural tie, because like you said, there are many cigar smokers who are more affluent. And just generally speaking, they tend to have more control over their personal finances. The same guy that I refer to who I would love to have on the show at one point, he is a big investor in physical gold, as well as other precious metals that tend to align with some other kind of libertarian cores. And it's just so funny that that, that coincides with cigars so seamlessly, you know? Yeah, it is, man. I, I also am a silver bug. So I oh, there you go. like sound money. Yeah, I love sound money in all of its forms. Uh, so in addition to my uh, weekly dollar cost average for crypto, I also dollar cost average into physical silver as well. Awesome, man. Well, I think that you are in great shape with that. With your settlement of physical precious metals, do you find that local dealers experienced a shortfall of supply? Well, I don't purchase locally. I purchase online and I don't cash out. I am stacking the same way I stack sets. Um, but what I can say is the premiums on precious metals, especially silver, are crazy right now. I, I was looking at spot price the other day at about fifteen eighty uh, an ounce. But the premium was seven dollars, so I'm spending like twenty three bucks an ounce Shit. for silver, right? You know what I mean. And I buy ten to twenty ounces at a time, so the premiums are high, and there there are two week delays in shipping uh, for physical silver. Whether you go to Atmex or J and Bullion or Money Metals, there's always there was like a a, a period in time where there was a two week a two week delay for shipment of precious metals, so. I think the paper markets had the, you know, their wigs pulled off and people wanted to get into physical precious metals and they couldn't do it uh, because the supply wasn't there. Wow. That's incredible. 
Chamber, with your experience there in Toronto and Canada at large, is there as much enthusiasm for holding physical precious metals uh, as there is for, for crypto? Um, I would say more. That being said, I grew up, uh, I, I moved down to this kind of the southernmost part of Canada um, in my 20s. Uh, but where I grew up, I grew up in a mining community. Um, and not, you know, <laughs> not ant miners, uh, gold mining, um, gold, copper, zinc, that kind of stuff. Uh, so the people I'm surrounded by just in day to day life, uh, like my dad's huge gold bug, like he, um, I, you know, sometimes I, when, I, when, uh, when the pinch is on, I, I feel like I'm going to go dig in his backyard. Sometimes I feel he's got just bricks and bricks back there. Um, but yeah, we, we come from a pretty big. And, and what, what address does your dad live at again? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> he, he live, he, he's living off the grid. That oh, guy. Dude, that I just pulled uh, it up on Google maps here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I see a big backyard. Yeah. I'll share, I'll share it in the chat. <laughs> But uh, as long as it's a three-way split, I'm okay with it. Um, there'll probably be enough for everybody. Uh, but yeah, no, I've I've always kind of grown up around it. Um, like knowing the the price of gold per ounce. Like I feel like I've known that since I was like eight years old. Um, it was just like a thing that was just talked about pretty uh, pretty normally around the household. So just asking me, I'm a little slanted uh, just because of the community I grew up in, um, and basically all my family members are you know big into precious metals. So. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I see it as more, uh, prevalent in the, uh, in the community around here versus like a Bitcoin. Um, and I, I try to talk to them about Bitcoin. They, they won't have it, right? You know, obviously if you can't bury it in the backyard, what's the freaking point in their opinion? Chamber, I wanted to get in a little bit more to your work because we were talking pre-show and Noir said that part of his inspirations for starting his own podcast was your podcast. So I wanted to get a little bit of feedback from your journey with your crypto podcast and a little bit more history and kind of the evolution of the podcast from various market conditions. It's been a, quite a roller coaster ride, I would say. Um, we started the show uh, maybe end of the first quarter in 2018, I think, something like that. Uh, maybe March, April, something like that. Um, and the reason for it, the, the, the entire reason for it was I would listen to these shows. Um, and again, our show is, is you know, you have, there's there are many variations of shows, uh, podcasts and YouTubers uh, doing their different things in the crypto world. Um, the ones I like to listen to um, were, were definitely the ones that had a little bit more of a comedic bent to them. Um, that had a little laugh. It was a little bit more, rev uh, you know, reverential. Um, and I would listen to these and they would have, you know, guests on and people from Twitter and, and all that fun stuff. And the, my favorite part of any of these shows was when the guest or any of the hosts would, t would speak about their, you know, how they got wrecked, um, at some point during their crypto you know, adventures, uh, whether that was in 2013 or 2016 or, you know, 20, at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, those were always my favorite stories. And specifically the ones from previous bull markets where they went through the entire cycle, where, you know, they bought the top at a $1,000 Bitcoin, saw that come all the way down to $200, whatever it was, and then, you know, stayed in, stayed in the game and, and you know, were involved when Bitcoin was at $20,000. Um, and the reason for that, again, I got in, I had about, you know, you, you could argue there's been small bull markets in the, in the past year or so, but in my opinion, we still haven't got into a bull market again since 2017. Um, my entire time in crypto, I've probably only had about three weeks of actual bull market. 
I've had multi, I had at least two years of bear market. So seeing and, and talking to people that have gone through a full cycle, in my opinion, gave a lot of other people hope. So we want, I wanted to put a show out, uh, and myself, my co-host Bunchu, uh, we've been doing this for, for over two years now. Um, and, you know, having, having guests come on and, and talk about those, um, I feel gives a lot of hope to people out there. We want to have fun because it can be depressing. Uh, it can, you know, if you put, you know, if you bought the top of $20,000 or you bought the top of an altcoin and it's, you know, I, I was, I was taking a look at the other day at dragon chain. Um, it's like 300 and it's like 303 sad. It was like, I mean, it's, it's, it hurts so much looking at it, you know? No, no, no. But you don't understand. Dragon chain is the future. <laughs> it's the future of enterprise. Right. right. And, you know, we laugh now, but, you know, people were, people thought that, you know, in some cases, and not necessarily just Dragon Chain, but, you know, tons of other altcoins were the next thing and probably had some reason to think that. And now, you know, it had a 99% retrace. You know, hey, some people were putting in a couple hundred bucks. Some people were putting in a couple thousand bucks. And I don't care who you are. A lot of these people are average investors or new investors, um, but like, you know, average folks just trying to get their edge in an emerging market. If, if you put $5,000, you had $5,000 to spend, or you took it out of your 401k, or if you're in Canada, you took it out of your RSPs, you dump five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 in there, and now it's worth a fraction of that. That is tough. That's a tough time. So what we wanted to do is obviously talk about that, um, show the flip side of the coin, like what happens at the end if you kind of stick with it, and also have some fun too to kind of lighten the mood for a lot of the people. And that was essentially the whole reason for the show. We've all had burns in this market. And at some point, if you can't laugh at yourself, then you're going to cry. And laughing is so much more fun. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, following up on what it you- It sure is a lot more yeah, fun. Yeah, right? Following up on what you just said there with possibly only experiencing two or three weeks of official bull market territory, would you say that that put you in a better position to explore leveraged instruments uh, earlier on than you would have otherwise? So I, I would say right away I was introduced to leverage trading. Uh, because I live in Canada, I'm you know perfectly allowed to go into BitMEX and all sorts of leverage trading platforms. I dabbled a little bit, uh, but then really, really quickly understood that uh, the at my level of understanding, this was only going to take my money. Um, this was you know this was essentially playing a poker professional uh, head to head um, and just learning the rules uh, three weeks ago. You know what I mean? Um, so really quickly, I learned that that at the time wasn't for me and and started dabbling in other things. You know, you look at altcoins and, and just, just trying to dollar cost average Bitcoin. The longer I've been in it, obviously, um, you know, you learn some lessons. I've had had some success um, leverage trading in kind of the, the, the shorter time frame. Um, I would say in the last maybe, you know, six months to a year, I use a, not a ton. I mean, when I, I remember, you know, hundred X trading was fairly common, uh, and fairly talked about at the time when I got in. Um, but you know, I might use three to five X at the very most, um, if I'm pretty confident on a trade. Um, and I, I did a lot of my trading, my, my, my beneficial trading, I would say what happened at the very bottom. Um, and that's where I kind of got lucky. I said, okay, well, it can't go much further down than this, can it? Um, so then I would use a little leverage and was a little successful there. Nora, I wanted to follow up with you on some of your colleagues there in the cigar lounge. Like you said, they are typically investors with greater experience in legacy markets and traditional investments. 
How have they responded to some of the volatility that they've seen in the crypto market? Would you say that they're more apt to see it as opportunity or to say there's no way I'm putting my money in this? It's funny. The guys that are into finance are shying away from it because they don't understand the intrinsic value of cryptocurrency. Um, but the guys that are into any other industry see it as an opportunity to invest a small sum um, and they have low time frames. So they'll invest and hold it for five to 10 years because they think it'll be worth something in the future. It's so funny to hear you say that because just last week I was speaking with a friend who had over 15 years trading traditional markets and between him and his family, they have decades and decades of trading experience. And some of the smartest people in the room during the COVID crash who have had all of this experience did not see the fall coming. Whereas those of us who are more vested in crypto, we're looking at the news cycle being like, yo, these people are on the euphoria cycle. They think that COVID isn't going to wreck some of these gains. Then, you know, they're going to be in for a, a very rude awakening. Right. And, you know, what's funny, I think some of them just find the idea of crypto abhorrent because they don't know how to game it. They don't know how to take advantage of it. Oh, I guess they haven't got on BitMEX yet. <laughs> Because everybody's gaming it over there. Right. But, you know, traditional finance folks know the system in and out. And they know all of the subtle nuances and intricacies on how to make money. But crypto is, in my opinion, pure capitalism. It is the wild, wild west. And the same way you can wreck folks in traditional markets, you can get wrecked in crypto if you're not paying attention. And so because they don't know how to properly navigate the crypto ecosystem, a lot of them find the idea of cryptocurrency abhorrent. So guys, I'd like to institute an impromptu lightning round where you can discuss the most egregious traps that you've avoided over the years. So Noir, you said you've been in the space since 2014. What what was the, the biggest red flag project or entree that you'd been presented with in your experience here? And how did you identify that it was a trap and how did you end up protecting your capital in the long run? BitConnect. <laughs> BitConnect! Oh, man. Um, but you know what, though? I won't say that because um, BitConnect came later. There was something back in the day called CryptoBot. And it promised to uh, double or triple your money if you invested in this spot by uploading your hard earned or invested Bitcoin and waiting a period of time. And they would uh, double it for you. And, you know, they would send it out to you uh, every two or three weeks. Well, I'd invested a good piece of change in this crypto bot and I'm watching my the numbers grow. And I'm happy and I'm thinking to myself, this is great. You know, I'm going to hold this as soon as I get it. And then I'm going to reinvest and try to double up. And then one day I logged in um, to the bot and it was deactivated. And they had gotten away with about 2.2 Bitcoin from me. I blame no one but myself for that. The lesson that I learned from that was you should never trust anyone to do something for you. And I learned very early, not your keys, not your coins, because I wasn't able to recoup my money. Uh, I'll never be able to recoup that money. 
And I learned a very valuable lesson in that experience that uh, was eye-opening for me and kept my head on a swivel whenever I saw new projects come out. And a quick follow-up to that. One, I appreciate you sharing that because I think that it's really important and valuable for our listeners to hear, you know, just because we're talking about this stuff week in, week out, can put on some shiny words and edit it all up in post. Doesn't mean that we're not real investors and real people who have made mistakes just like anybody else. And it's important to be able to look back at your mistakes own them, metabolize them, and put them into your framework moving forward so that you don't repeat those mistakes and so that you're a better investor as a result. When you hit that note of not your keys, not your coins, how has that informed your portfolio management to this day? Would you say that you, at any given time, you have a rigid split of how much of your portfolio is in exchanges and how much is in a personal wallet? There is no split for me. I don't trade anymore. I only invest. So I buy and I hodl. Yeah, there's no no split for me. All right, Chambers, same question for you. What's the most egregious pitfall that you either stepped in or avoided over the years? I'm, I'm going to say BitConnect. Uh, I appreciate uh, Noir for, uh, <laughs> for, for using another example because there's going to be two BitConnect examples back to back. But this one's kind of a fun story. Um, we were talking pre-show, you know, kind of how I got into Bitcoin. And I was presented Bitcoin and BitConnect simultaneously. More or less, I, I, I started investigating both simultaneously. I had a coworker talk about Bitcoin, October, November of 2017. And, you know, he started doing YouTube channels and, and all this, like right, right out of the gates. I think, he, I think he had been doing it for like three weeks. It, bought, like it, it had been three weeks since he had bought his first Bitcoin. He was talking about this BitConnect. He was a colleague of mine and a good, you know, a good work friend, we'll say, and was a smart, you know, smart guy. You know, at the time I was in my early 30s. I wasn't very familiar. I don't know about anybody else, but I mean, you know, we talk Ponzi schemes now like it's, you know, everybody knows what they are. I mean, I think I had heard of Ponzi schemes. I, I had heard of, you know, uh, Enron and stuff like that, but I didn't really know what happened during Enron. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was pretty young when that happened and really had no appreciation for what was going on or how a Ponzi scheme actually worked. So I wasn't even thinking Ponzi scheme at the time with BitConnect. I was just, oh, this Bitcoin is going through the roof. Uh, you know, it was it was three thousand dollars two months ago, and now it's you know it's twelve thousand dollars on its way up to twenty thousand. And simultaneously, my my colleague was saying, "Hey, you can invest that Bitcoin. You're going to make money on the Bitcoin. Plus, if you give it to this company, you know you're going to get a I forget what it was. We'll call it a. Does anybody remember? Was it a twenty five percent return or something? It was it was pretty substantial. Yes, something pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Right. It was I, I, in my head. It's twenty five percent. It may have been more than that. Um, but it was. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to make money just by the price of Bitcoin going up. Plus, I'm going to make another twenty five percent if I, you know, utilize this Bitcoin in this other project here. And I was really thinking about it. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of people were, um, you know, uh, they weren't just all a bunch of bumbling idiots. These were people that weren't aware of, of what they were doing. But, you know, uh, it's, it's, you know, some people call it greed and sure it's probably greed, but it's also, hey, like, this is my opportunity to, you know, get life-changing money or get that it's, it's an opportunity. It's, it's my internet. You know what I mean? It's, it's 1993 and I get to make a, you know, a website. Um, 
And I think a lot of people thought that way. So they went all in, you know, they got their second mortgage, they got, uh, they, you know, they maxed out the credit cards, you know, it's a lot of sad stuff. But so in this time where I'm kind of contemplating, I've purchased Bitcoin, I, I physically created a BitConnect account. Uh, I was looking through my old notes and I have a username and password still. Um, but I ended up watching, uh, you, you're out in, uh, you're in the West Coast, correct? Yes, I'm in Los Angeles. So I, I'm a big, I'm a big cinephile. I watch a lot of movies. I watch a lot of independent movies. And during this time, I happen to sit down and watch, and I'm looking at the date. I, I just pulled it up. It's from 2017. So it couldn't have come at a better time. And it was a movie with Jack Black. And typically I'm not a big Jack Black movie guy, but a lot of the times these comedians that I don't like, uh, when they do independent movies, they're fantastic. Um, so this was an independent movie that Jack Black was in called The Polka King. And I don't know if any of you guys have ever seen this. Uh, long story short, he plays, it's a, it's based on a true story. And this is back in the eighties, uh, up in Pennsylvania. And there was this local polka guy who's the leader of this polka band was very, very popular in the polka world was also running. He kind of unwittingly started a Ponzi scheme. Uh, to try and help people, but you know, it turned out to be a Ponzi scheme. Um, you know, it's, he slowly started to develop it that way. It wasn't like he was, you know, doing it out of ill will. It started as a, you know, benefit to help local businesses and stuff like that. And it kind of snowballed into this essentially a Ponzi scheme. And he got arrested and it's a whole thing. But what really stuck out at me was the percentage he was guarant- he was guaranteeing his investors. And that percentage and the and the percentage he went to jail for was 11%. That was the percentage he was guaranteeing. And then I'm sitting here at home. And I'm like, okay, he just went to jail for 11%. This company is saying 25%. The, the switches start going off really, really quick in my head. I'm like, oh, 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 okay. One second. This is very bad. Uh, and then I pulled away completely and just kind of stuck to Bitcoin. I mean, I totally got wrecked on alts. Don't get me wrong. But I, I avoided the pitfall of BitConnect due to an independent Jack Black movie. There's the old adage, history may not repeat itself, but it often rhymes. These things have been going on for as long as there's been exchange between people. Because people have always been simultaneously fascinated with their own divination and their own demise. A product like BitConnect supplies both. Does anybody know what the BitConnect folks are up to? Like, are there mostly members of their team who are in jail or even just the folks who are promoting it on YouTube. Do y'all know what happened to them? I think Trayvon still got, I think he's got like a new YouTube show. Um, I don't know about all the other guys, but I've seen Trayvon up up and about lately. I don't think anybody got any jail time either. No, but look, look, the crazy part is, is Trayvon is shilling Hex. That's the thing. The space is still so young and you know, it's so young because it will still abide by clowns all over the place. Well, guys, I want to be respectful of time. And uh, we've already had a a fun-filled podcast thus far. And wrapping things up, uh, I'd love to extend final thoughts to each of you. Nor, is there anything that you'd like to leave listeners with pondering over this week or just general takeaways that you want to be sure they leave with? I want you all to be good to each other. This life that we've been given is way too short for you to not like people because they don't think the way you do or they don't look the way you do or they don't act the way you do. We need to love each other. The only way we're going to make it through this coronavirus and post-corona world 
is by identifying that we are all people and that we need to love each other. That's it. Just be good to each other. Amen. And all the words that I had are now gone because they mean nothing compared to that message. (laughs) I'm a vapid tool bag. What about you, Chamber? Uh, What do you have for our listeners? I mean, I would like to say liberate Virginia, uh, liberate Minnesota, and liberate Michigan. (laughs) Thank you so much. You know, we really should. I'm just joking. I, I'm sorry. I just need. I needed a contrast to uh, to noir. Um, no, I mean. <laughs> I love that guy. Uh, I apologize. That is. Uh, I just like to have too much fun sometimes. I mean, noir said it perfectly. It can be depressing. I mean, obviously, we're all in crypto, which is depressing on its own. Now we're all shuttered in um, due to coronavirus, which is even more depressing. We're all getting about you know an hour of sunlight a week. Um, so. You know, reach out, talk on, you know, I'm on Twitter all the time. I know Noir's there. Um, I, you know, try to be as social as you can in these unsocial times because um, it, it does help your overall health. Um, you know, talk to people, try not to watch too many daily briefings, try not to immerse yourself too much in the, in the virus. Obviously, stay, uh, stay informed, um, get the right information. At the same time, try to stay as social as you can without crossing those, uh, those lines in regards to, uh, public safety. But uh, yeah, just, just, you know, I, I really feel bad. Like I talked about my kids before. I mean, there's four of us in my house. Um, so I, I get four people, I get three other people to talk to four if I talk to myself. Um, but, you know, I really feel bad for people that, you know, are, are single, you know what I mean? They have to stay at home by themselves all the time. Um, it's, it's gotta be tough. Uh, so if you are at home by yourself, uh, you know, try to stay as, try to stay as uh, communicative as possible, whether that's online or, you know, Skype somebody, FaceTime somebody. Uh, but yeah, it, it can get, it can really creep up on you quickly uh, as far as like depression and stuff goes. So just, just, you know, keep that in mind. I will echo that saying that instead of social distancing, we should say physical distancing because social proximity is more important now, I would argue, than it's ever been. And, uh, and we should, you know, use this opportunity to reconnect accordingly. So I would, you know, challenge listeners to learn a new skill, be better to yourself and to others and check out BitConnect because I feel like there's some really great opportunities coming up there. They've really retooled the product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Listen, Noir Chamber, you guys have been awesome. I've had so much fun speaking with you today and I'm sure our listeners are going to agree with that. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us on. I'd like to thank our listeners for joining this episode of The Nest Show. We invite you to connect with our guest on Twitter, where Noir can be reached at Invest Noir, where Chamber can be reached at Chamber Wrecked, and where his podcast is at Wrecked underscore podcast. And I am at Benjamin T1717. And we also invite you to check out Noir's website at www.cigarsandcrypto.com, where you can find his latest podcast and more. If you've appreciated the depth and breadth of what you've heard with us today, subscribe to our podcast and find our landing page at theburbnest.com. We have a vibrant Discord community which acts as our central hub of operations, and we welcome you to join us at theburbnest.com slash discord. We also offer an extensive free bulletin on emerging crypto market trends, exclusive undervalued gem reports, and in-depth expert technical and fundamental analysis at theburbnest.com slash bulletin. We always appreciate engagement from our community, which of course means liking the video and subscribing to our page, where we insist on bringing you the highest quality content available. Also, we're happy to incorporate tips and topics from our listeners and encourage you to email us at thenestshow at theburbnest.com. 
This podcast is brought to you by the Burb Nest. Thank you and trade on. 